Welcome to this special edition of Around the Table. I'm Dirk Russell. Normally on Around the Table, I have a discussion with guests about issues related to classical Christian education. Today, I'm turning those hosting duties over to Geneva's interim head of school, Amy Metzger. In this episode, you will hear an interview Amy did with Geneva's new head of school, Dr. David Corbin. I hope that you were encouraged by what you hear. Okay, I'm going to get started. Well, Geneva families, um, I want to say good afternoon or good morning. I'm not sure when you're watching this, but uh, I have the great privilege of introducing you in person or as in person as Zoom can be to Dr. David Corbin, our new head of school. And I would pause here so that you can have a round of applause in your homes. Um, but going on through our, throughout the course of the, ne uh, the next couple of months and over the spring, David and I have some regularly scheduled phone calls that we can begin to uh, get to know one another and he can begin to get to know Geneva a little bit better. Um, but we wanted to invite you into the first one. And actually, instead of a phone call, make it a Zoom where he um, and I are going to uh, visit a little bit about um, who he is and where he's been and what he's bringing to Geneva. And we wanted you all to uh, be able to hear a little bit of that conversation. So enough from me, ladies and gentlemen, Dr. David Corbin. Thank you, Amy. Great Absolutely. to be here. Yeah. So um, this really actually is a little strange and um, unique, but uh, but honestly, really good that I maybe two years ago, we would have never considered in this process that we would go to all the trouble to try to figure out how to do a Zoom meeting or a video chat um, with our new head of school, yet it's become regular and every day for even the youngest of our students. And so uh, this was an easy thing for us to consider. So I'm glad that we have the opportunity to talk. Um, and really, uh, I want this just to be a time where really we're just doing that. We're just visiting and getting to know one another um, a little bit. So feel free to ask me questions as well, if you have any. But um, I do want to start with a little bit about your background in education. You've spent the last 13 years in Christian education, and I would love for you to tell our school community a little bit about the why of that or how you ended up in Christian education um, specifically. Great question. Yeah, before I got into Christian education, I was a teacher. I, I taught at my alma mater at the University of New Hampshire. I had the great uh, privilege of um, having an older professor invite me back uh, to teach as an adjunct, and that became a, a full-time job for nine or 10 years. And it was really interesting just having graduated from college at the age of 24 to begin college teaching. I mean, I had kids there that were two years, three years younger uh, than myself. And um, it was Great. It was it was a wonderful experience because I think that as any teacher knows, even if you really want to be a teacher badly, you just don't know until you get into a classroom whether or not right, it fits and whether or not it's you. And, um, and that was wonderful. And there were many blessings that came along teaching uh, at UNH. Uh, but one of the things that I always um, felt a sense of uh, regret at the time is that I couldn't share my entire picture uh, of, of the world. Uh, with my students, or if I did so, it, it might, um, you know, make people upset one way or another. I'd put a Bible, you know, on, on my office desk. People would come in for office hours and say, you read that thing? And I would say, yes, but um, there was always a little bit of a, a question mark or kind of a, a wall between uh, your teaching and uh, your full embrace of your faith. So um, when I heard about the King's College from a church member, um, we, we went down and looked at the college and it was just a, a wonderful, wonderful place. And, and uh, I could tell right away just from the questions I was asked in my interview that it would be a, a really neat experience. And, and, and it certainly has. 
I think the greatest difference teaching in a Christian institution than a non-Christian institution is the sense of fellowship uh, that you have, uh, not only with, with your students, of course, but with your peers, uh, with your colleagues. Um, it's, it's an amazing thing to go to work where you're working together uh, and you have you know, a common belief in such a great and good God. It, it just changes everything. So just dovetailing into that, I actually have two kind of follow-up questions. One, so that was Christian education um, in general, and that was at the King's College in Manhattan. And then certainly right now we know that you're on the other coast and in, in the uh, Pasadena area. Correct. Okay. Um, but tell me what your uh, introduction is or introduction was to the idea of classical and Christian education. Where, where was the first time you heard that or how did you get engaged with the idea of classical and Christian education? Yeah, so I was a member of a PCA church in Exeter, New Hampshire, and we kind of, because I was a college professor, I had a pretty good sense as to those types of students who were doing well in my classes and just tended to do well in college overall. And then I, had, I was a public school graduate, so I, I think that I had an understanding of what public school was like. And I think, you know, it had its benefits uh, in terms of socialization and all the rest. But a lot of the people in our church uh, were homeschooling and uh, we did a little research as a church. And as one of our missions, we decided to open up a, a classical Christian school uh, in Exeter. So this was 25 years ago. And when I read the, uh, the description of Geneva 23 years ago and its founders, you know, 10 kids in three grades, it sounded a lot like what we were trying to do in Exeter. And uh, we kept the school going for eight or nine years, but we had the most difficult time just drawing in kind of continual support uh, from the greater <coughs> Seacoast community in New Hampshire. Many of the homeschool parents wanted to keep <coughs> their kids in that setting. Uh, many of the uh, kids who um, went to public school, uh, our public schools in New England tend to be kind of a, a little bit better, or we, at least we think they are. So um, it was just hard uh, getting the enrollment. So uh, the school um, lived a 10 year life. I think we had seven graduates overall. So we didn't measure up to Geneva's standard, but um, I knew back then there was something you know, special with the movement. And, and certainly over the years um, as a professor at King's, and at Providence, um, you can tell the difference between someone who's been classically trained uh, and someone who is not. It's a, it's a really great gift that families give to their children to kind of bring them up with this method. Yeah, that's great. Um, thank you for kind of uh, giving a little bit of insight into your, and I'd forgotten about that piece. I think it had been mentioned to me about your history with a classical and Christian school, but I was just thinking K-12, um, which actually does kind of bring me to another question that I have. And that is uh, the fact that you have been, uh, when, when we talked about Christian education, you, other than the, the classical and Christian school you just referenced that you helped uh, in the very beginning days, your employment has been at the collegiate level. Um, and so tell us about why the move to K-12. That is a curiosity. Yeah, well, I mean, I think more than anything else, the move to K-12 has to do with standards. It has to do with excellence. Uh, it has to do with kind of working in an environment where uh, people are pushing themselves and children are being opened right to the life of the mind. Um, I don't want to make this a story about higher education landscape, but uh, you don't have to look too far afield to, to see that there are some some issues right now in higher education. The price of higher education is out of control. Um, there is a, a certain tendency uh, within the liberal arts uh, that has kind of moved away from their original me meaning to, to something different. So um, I, I looked at the prospect of, of working at Geneva and leading Geneva uh, as, as a great thing, as a wonderful thing, because you know, at the end of the day, 
And I think this is something that's kind of happened over the last 20 years. It probably wouldn't be me at the age of 25, but it definitely is me at the age of 49. Um, you know, I don't want to live kind of adoring the resume gods, right? I want to live adoring and worshiping the true God and building out his kingdom. And I want to work in places where that's being done. And I want to use whatever gifts that God's given me uh, to help that uh, be the case. And if that's K through 12, uh, which it, it is, and I think that that's the way he's been leading both myself and our family, then then we're just super excited about that. And, and I think that that life of the mind um, and, and the growth that happens uh, in between the ages of you know three, four, and, and 18 is of tremendous importance. And, and, and many of my fellow college travelers believe that um, some of the work that's not being done uh, in that age group really makes it that much more difficult to revive it later on, to, to turn those light bulbs later on at 19, 20, 21, and 22. So that, I, I think that, that is really kind of the, the drive for me. And then the, the other thing, Amy, is that I just, when, when you see that it works and, and you know that it works and the families who we're talking to today know that this works, you're, you're almost in shock that there aren't a hundred times more classical schools and a thousand times more children having access to this method. And, and that's my ambition, Amy. I, I think that, you know, if we can be kind of a light that, that shines um, in our region as a school, it's going to encourage other parents right to to take a look at this classical method take a look at what it can do uh for for their children and 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 realize right that this christ-centric model of growing and, to, and and knowing god through christ and learning can go hand in hand in the development of human flourishing and, and i think that that's just that's a wonderful story and and i think and i really believe this that in the 21st century uh, those reforms um uh, that enlightenment uh, will really come from a place like a classical christian school well thank you for that that's actually really a great encouragement even as i'm sitting currently right boots on the ground at uh, at geneva and we're all in the throes of the third quarter and, and, you know, not just right past Christmas, but not quite to spring break that season. And just a great encouragement and a reminder about um, the good that's being done and how God is, uh, is molding and shaping through this, uh, this ministry and this mission. So thank you for that encouragement. So this is just more of a little personal question related to your education. And I apologize for the sound of lawn work happening outside, but this is just real time right now. Um, real life. Uh, did you have a, and you may not have an answer to this because I struggled with it when I first came to, uh, to teach at Geneva with a fourth grade class, but did you have a favorite teacher? Can you remember a favorite teacher? And if so, um, why, what was, what, what made that teacher your favorite teacher? I did. Yeah. I, I, so his, his name was John Kaiser. Uh, he was my first professor at the university of New Hampshire. So I was 17 and, um, I decided to major in political science because my father did. And we like to talk a uh, lot. Our whole family loved to talk about politics. Um, and, and yet uh, I'd tell you, Amy, what the, my first day in college, I knew I had to be there because I, I wanted to be a success, but I, I wasn't there, you know, for the right reason, you know, in the sense that I, I, I hadn't been opened right to this life of the mind. A lot of high school to me was just checking off boxes. So um, this is my favorite teacher, John Kaiser, because I got into a classroom. Uh, he asked us to open up uh, Plato's Republic uh, and asked us to read the first line. You know, I, Socrates, went down to the Piraeus with Glaucon. And, and that, to me, was my first introduction to a great book. 
Um, and, and, and what great books meant to me from that point on in my life is opening a, a whole different world uh, to me, uh, to, to know that um, you as a human being have been given the opportunity by God uh, to ask seminal questions. Why are we here? Where are we going? Uh, what would God have us do? Of course, Socrates' answers are different than Christ's, but but to have that opening. And, and I think what a great teacher does is he opens or she opens you up to the possibilities of wonder and curiosity and, and lets you know that you're actually part of what you're studying, that, that history isn't distant, that philosophy isn't distant. It's not some dusty subject, but it's actually about you. And you're actually part of this meta narrative, right? And, and you have a part to play and the intellectual and moral choices that you make matter. And I didn't know that. And, and being open to that was, um, was amazing. It was just a, a, a great gift. And at, at the time, my dad said, well, you ought to go into law if you're going to major in political science. And, you know, I learned about a year or two in that um, what I wanted to do is what that teacher had done for me. What I wanted to be is that person uh, turning that light bulb on, taking the student who really, really didn't think that they were important or really didn't think that study was important and kind of showing them a whole new world. That's a beautiful, oddly, we have not scripted this Geneva families, but it's a beautiful segue um, into my next thing, the next topic I want to talk about, because I don't think it's a requirement that a Geneva head of school be a political science major. Matter of fact, I know it's not because our, our former head of school, uh, did, that was not his area of study. But I, as your interim head of school, actually got a BA in political science. And I thought I would go to law school. Um, but instead, the Lord... Uh, called me to something altogether different. And that was for the first part of my life, uh, young life uh, staff working with teenagers. And then this second part of my adult life uh, working in classical and Christian education. So uh, there is a similarity there, but I will say that that's where it stops because I stopped at a BA and you have both a master's and a PhD in political science. And so I have two questions about that. I would love to hear, you already sort of told us a little bit about, um, I'm not sure you even have to answer any more about that, but the why of the why of the subject matter and related to this favorite teacher. But if there's more you'd like to share, that's great. But then I would love for you also just to tell us um, a, just a brief snippet about a couple books you've written and um, what the why you wrote those particular books and just a little a little summary of them. Sure. Yeah. Um, so just enough for the quiz. Got it. There's a quiz at the end of this. Mm -hmm. That's right. Um, well, uh, my my first interest, um, I, it's kind of my my subfield when I was working on my PhD was politics and literature, and uh, I'm a great fan of Shakespeare, and very interested in what um, Shakespeare has to say about the world that we live in, the, the moral universe that we inhabit. So um, my, my first work was um, working through the different moral universes uh, that are presented by uh, Niccolo Machiavelli at the beginning of the modern world and Shakespeare. Uh, they have some things in common in how they portray characters, life, and all the rest. But there's an important difference between um, Shakespeare's presentation in that Shakespeare opens up the possibility that we as human beings might be able to find some temporary peace in this world. Whereas for Machiavelli, it's always combustion and war and challenges and ambitions. And, and um, I think that 
that ties for me nicely uh, into the subject of contemporary politics. Um, I think that a part of the great challenge of living in 2021 is that uh, we seem to have taken on kind of a Machiavellian uh, entering the fray at all times. We have a hard time uh, enjoying that peace, uh, enjoying good conversation, uh, uh, disagreeing, but doing so agreeably. Uh, so I think that teachers of politics, and, and especially um, I'll try to do this in, in the books that I've written and the people that I focused on in my works, whether it's Shakespeare, Machiavelli, um, Thucydides, uh, Tocqueville is an, another great um, um, great fan of Tocqueville, that the people that I've chosen to write on are peacemakers. They're, they're thinkers, but their think, their thought, excuse me, tends us uh, toward peace, uh, tends us toward a, a better understanding of who we are and what our limitations are. So that's kind of why I've, I've, I've written on the, on the topics that, that I have. And, and that's kind of why I love teaching politics. And even though it's been, um, uh, a more difficult process over 25 years because you can kind of go back to 1995, 96, and you began to see the opening skirmishes. And it doesn't seem this thing has gone away, but it's intensified. So uh, maybe that's bad teaching on my part. But um, but anyway, you, you do your best, all right, and and you try to you try to teach 18 to 22 year olds not not to give up. Uh, on asking these questions, not to give up on talking with one another about them, right? That that thing that we hear at Thanksgiving, well, don't talk about politics and religion. Well, why wouldn't we talk about politics and religion uh, at, at the Thanksgiving dinner table? I mean, those are, those are important things, how we live, what justice is, what right is, who God is. Uh, we ought to share in those questions. We just have to learn how to do it in a lot better fashion. That's great. Thank you, David, for sharing that. And I have a, a, at least one child, if not three, who would... Uh, and one in particular, I'll, and those who know my family can probably, it won't take them long to guess which one would love to engage um, in conversation with you. So that's great. All right, so let's shift a little bit. And um, we've been talking a little bit about education and your experience, your work experience, your education experience. I would love to talk a little bit about, if you would, just tell us a little bit of your uh, faith journey. I know that that could take the entire hour. So again, it may just be some high points and know that when you are in Bernie and live and in person, um, all of us will have a better opportunity to get to know you um, more personally, but we would love to hear you tell us about your walk um, with Jesus. Yeah, thank you, Amy. That's, a, that's a really the, the question. Um, I was born and raised Roman Catholic. I was born in England and my father was an American and from New Hampshire and my family moved back uh, to New Hampshire. And um, I was raised as a Roman Catholic, uh, which meant uh, going to church um, and, and going to CCD and, um, and believing in, in God. Uh, but um, as I got into my college years, um, I became busy or occupied uh, with, with other things. Uh, uh, unfortunately, the most important thing I was occupied with was myself, who I am, how great I can be. And, and um, I think I'd been given gifts that I didn't like, I, I could, would have said that, you know, thank you, God, for these gifts, but it would have been kind of a half-hearted thank you. And, and um, I got to graduate school and uh, you asked about a favorite teacher. I actually have two favorite teachers. My second favorite teacher, if he's listening to this, he'll, he'll want to know is a, is a man named Angelo Cotavilla. And I had started graduate school at Boston University. I was working on my PhD and I was assigned to be his teaching assistant. And I went up to his office to meet him and uh, he was very intimidating, about 55 years old and kind of, uh, he had a way about him where he was just this, this very intimidating uh, Northern Italian man who kind of looked down on you. And he, and he said, 
so what are you interested in Corbin? And then I mentioned Machiavelli and Shakespeare and he, and he said, great. And, and he said, um, well, I, I've just written a book on Machiavelli. This is all wonderful. And then he said, uh, let me ask you another question. Where do you go to church? That's just not a question that you're asked at a secular university by uh, someone you're working for. And I said, well, I don't go to church. And he said, oh, okay. He said, are you an atheist? And I said, no, no. And, and he said, do you believe in God? And I said, yes. And he said, well, what do you believe about him? I'm, well, God is God. And he said, well, give me, you know, is he all powerful? Yes. Is he all good? Yes. Did he create the world? I mean, I, yeah, yes, of course, of course that's the case. So he looked at me quizzically and he said, let me give it this straight, Corbin. You seem like a smart guy. And you just said that there's a creator God who's all good and all powerful, right? Who made the world and your place in it. And you can't find one hour to worship him each week. And I it's just, kind of, that doesn't make sense. So as a graduate student, you always have to have an answer. So I said, well, I don't know where to go to church. Um, I was you know, born and raised Roman Catholic. He said, listen, Corbin, this is simple. There are churches where God is worshiped and there are churches where men are worshiped. Go to a church where God is worshiped. You'll know the difference. And that like was just like this penetrating, just earthed shaking experience for me. Cause at that time, the way that I would process things was intellectually. And he had, um, and by the grace of God had accessed my heart right through, through my mind. And, and, uh, and that led me down, you know, a journey of, of trying to find, you know, that church and just realizing, well, it's not just one hour a week, right. It's, it's every hour. Um, and, and it's not easy. It's hard. Uh, but, um, but there's no, um, there's no other knowledge. There's no other gift. There's no other meaning, um, besides that, that journey and that path. But I, uh, for a moment there, you know, my eyes get a little teary, mostly because as I'm listening to you tell that story, I thought, what courage of that professor, um, that, yeah. that, that employer of yours to ask you the, not just good questions, but the best question. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what an opportunity each one of us has and how uh, convicting that is to me, right? And my opportunities with anyone I'm engaging with to, to ask not just good questions, but the best question that, um, that can change the trajectory of a life. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, thank you for giving us just a little bit of insight into, into what that looked like. Um, tell us a little bit about with that, because um, that obviously these two things are going to be just joined together, but tell us a little bit about your family. We've seen your picture on the front page of the newspaper um, and in our post, okay. but tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about the Corbin family. Yeah. So um, this year we're, we, I, we can't be more excited. Um, I'm excited, but my wife is over the hill excited. And, and my two children, younger children uh, are also going to be attending Geneva. Eliza, who is nine, uh, going on 19, uh, who will be entering uh, fourth grade. Uh, and Jack, uh, who is seven, who will be entering uh, second grade. 
So um, it's just, we can't wait uh, to be there. And it's just a wonderful, wonderful experience. Um, I've been married to Katie uh, for, for 12 years. It's not the first time I was married, probably saw in the bio that I have three adult children uh, who live um, in New Hampshire, New England area. Uh, one of them knows uh, your son, uh, went to college with your son for a year. So um, it's just, a, it's been an amazing kind of journey for all of us um, as a blended family over these last 12 years. It's, it hasn't, hasn't been easy by any means, but I think that um, we <clears throat> love uh, the idea uh, of being, uh, well, I say closer, closer to our adult children uh, in New England by being in Texas, but we love the idea of being part of a community. Um, I think that uh, one of the things that we've missed, there are wonderful, wonderful things um, and churches in California, but community is something hard to come by. And, and it's just, it, it should be so central. And then it's just kind of an extension of your family. So we're, we're very much looking forward to you meeting uh, all of the children. And in particular, um, I think Eliza and Jack are really excited to meet uh, fellow travelers in second and fourth grade and, and uh, really be part of this journey. I mean, it's going to be a pretty interesting thing. I, I, I bring my kids into the college, you know, cause they run around here all the time. Cause they're holed up in the house most of the time now, but to bring them to school is going to be a really kind of just remarkable thing uh, to watch them uh, become friends with, with other children and, and become friends with families. Um, it's just going to be, I think it's an extension of that fellowship that I was talking about earlier, but uh, to add a family dimension to it is just, it's just an amazing blessing. Thank you for giving us a little bit of a picture of that. And we all, I've had obviously a, a, a small opportunity just to meet Katie, but I look forward to meeting the rest of your family um, when you guys come to Texas. So uh, again, kind of maybe on the more uh, less, less um, employment and more just David Corbin stuff. Uh, at Geneva, we talk a lot about the effort that we are the, the, commitment we have to raising servant, scholar, athlete, artists. Um, and so we've talked a little bit about academics and uh, maybe indirectly about service as it relates uh, to your faith journey. But I am interested, um, given how much arts and athletics are a big deal to our school, and not just because we like them in South Texas, but because we believe wholeheartedly their significant role in the classical and Christian education model. Uh, tell us a little bit about your just personal history, um, good, bad, or otherwise with athletics and arts. Like, do you play the tuba? Yeah. Do, you, do you sing? I, Are you an opera singer or something like that? I, I am not an opera singer. Um, I, should I say this or not? I, I was part of a band in college called The Herd. People but, will start, you know that that's going to get Googled right now, right? People are going right. to be like the herd. But no one's ever, this is a good, good thing. No one's ever heard of the herd okay. probably because, because of my voice was, was so <laughs> awful. So were you the lead singer? I was lead singer. We had great, great musicians in the band. And then myself and, and this other uh, friend of ours, they, we, we were just kind of add-ins at the end. We need someone to sing. So we have a couple rhetoric school teachers right now who are taking note. I just, they know who they are. Um, right. Just okay. So you were in a college band called the Herd. Yeah. Okay, right. awesome. So, like ten years after the fact, one of one of my great friends, I don't know how he pulled this off, but he had like remember, remember the mini cassettes. So we had oh, a sure. cassette of us. Uh, Children, we'll show you what those are at some point. A mini cassette. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. But I listened to it, and it was frightening. It was uh, uh, so. Um, no, I did not. Uh, from there, pursue a. Um, 
a career in the music industry. Um, <laughs> but I, I did, I played sports. I, I, I pretty much, I think I played every sport. Um, my big love was football. Um, I just, uh, to me, I, I loved, um, I, I played quarterback. I, I'd love the idea of, of leading a team. Uh, I love the complexity uh, of seeing right different parts um, of, you know, on the field, whether it's the defense, uh, that you're trying to work through or the offense that you're trying to coordinate an effort. I just found all of that just exciting, kind of the, the mixture of the kind of physical and, and the intellectual uh, element of it. But I, I really do. I, I enjoy, um, I enjoy every sport. I'm, I love this may don't hold this against me, uh, uh, Cowboys fans, but I'm a huge Patriots fan. I have a great Patriot story. If you ever want to hear a, a story about the Patriots. So how do you but, feel about uh, uh, the, so the Buccaneers win yesterday? Is Tom Brady Amazing. still your guy? Okay. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, you can't you you can't do that much for a region and then not not have have love for him. So yeah, I, I'm we'll be rooting for the Bucks. Uh, uh, we we wanted them to play the Bills though because we always beat the Bills. But well, the and that's are. a great story. The Bills. We're, this will probably get edited out, but a great story of that uh, quarterback from California um, for the. Joshua. Yeah. Yeah. It Alan, was yeah. JUCO for a couple of years and picked up by Wyoming and. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I mean, to, to me, sports to me was my first um, um, good confrontation with courage, right? When you're, you know, running through a line where people are bigger than you and you're about to get hit, you know, you, you know, at the other end of that, right? That, you know, you're going to, there's an awakening that happens, but, uh, but to know that you can count on your teammates uh, working together um, and just working towards a common goal, those are just those are amazing things. So I, I played individual sports as well, but I, 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 I would not be the person I am had I not played sports. I just love, I, I love them. And, um, artistically, um, although my band experience beyond uh, your band you know, experience, sort of, the caveat, the band, um, you know, I, uh, I, I think there are a couple former Kings students from, uh, from Geneva and they'll, they'll tell you, um, that I'm a really good, um, stick figure artist. So when I'm drawing things on and explaining political concepts, um, uh, I, I didn't get that gene. That was my older sister became the artist, but, uh, but kidding aside, um, uh, the fine arts to me are incredibly important. Uh, and I've learned this more, uh, not as someone who is an artist, uh, but as someone who has tried to teach subjects such as history and political philosophy and so on. And there's something about um, the visual experience uh, that is moving for us all uh, that, that, that penetrates us in a way uh, that the written word sometimes cannot. And I think that this is why what I've tried to do in a lot of my classes is incorporate um, uh, art and incorporate architecture and, and incorporate film uh, into my teaching uh, of a subject. So I'll give you an example of that. It's, oh, when you think about the challenges that there are place within American civilization, these aren't challenges that are new to us in the 2020s. They've been around for a long time. So uh, what I always love to do is show my class at the beginning uh, of our course, uh, Thomas Cole's The Course of Empire, which if you haven't seen these five amazing portraits uh, that are in the New York Historical Society, which being at King's, it was, was a nice, th nice thing. You had all this art all around you to be able to say show. The name. Will you say the name again? Sure. It's uh, The Course of Empire. Okay. And, and what Cole does is he has a, a first kind of portrait that is the world before any human contact. 
and then what he does is he moves through this sequence of portraits, really kind of giving a philosophy of this interworking of human nature or culture uh, and nature. So I, I could I could speak out that lecture to a class of 50 students and then a lot of them would be like, okay, that's great, that's awesome, I'm interested. But if I show that portrait to 10 minds, all of a sudden like that makes sense. Now, now I get it. And I think that's um, art to me is, 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 is the most, one of the most enlightening ways that we can learn about God. Right? He, he has created a world that is beautiful and he's given us the opportunity to be creative. Uh, not to displace him as a creator, but through our creations to point back uh, to him. And I think that's what uh, fine art does at its best. And so I, I, I love that aspect uh, of Geneva. I, I, when I saw that description, when I was first kind of looking at, at the job, uh, yeah, I was drawn by the fact there were a lot of football helmets um, on the page, but also along with the words, truth, goodness, and beauty, essential to any education. Well, it has been my pleasure, obviously, as, as both a mom and an employee to be at a school that cares about those things and um, who have had leadership in positions from the top down, from the board to the head of school, to really to our arts and athletic directors, to uh, care deeply for cross subject matters. Our arts director loves athletics and our athletics director loves the arts um, and they work well together and coordinate and compromise and all the things to make sure that our students have that opportunity. So um, I think that's, that's uh, it's fun to hear kind of your thoughts about that. I'm gonna shift, I know we don't have a lot of time left, um, but I wanna talk a little bit uh, about the why, we talked a little bit about why K-12, moving from a college experience, um, but why Geneva specifically, and you've touched on it a little, so I'm, I'm not gonna ask you to repeat yourself, but why Geneva specifically, why the Texas Hill Country, and then kind of wrapped into all of that, uh, what do you, what excites you about the future of Geneva? As, you, as you're staring at somebody from the outside, looking in, about to be on the inside. T tell us, what did you see that brought you here and what are you excited about going forward? Yeah, I, I hadn't heard of Geneva up until last August. And it was really kind of, this is very, very providential. We, we had um, a colleague and his family came and visited us. We had built a house in Hill Country in Canyon Lake. Uh, we had been traveling through uh, Texas the last three or four years since I came out uh, to Providence. I just didn't really know much uh, about Texas. Uh, total ignoramus. And then we, we get there and we get to Hill Country. And it it very much reminded me just kind of the green and the water of where I grew up in Lake Winnipesaukee, New Hampshire. And, um, and then just the vibrancy of, of the area, the San Antonio and, and Austin, uh, the optimism um, that, that this is a region that is on the move. Um, it's a region filled with a whole bunch of different people. Um, but this just kind of this light that, and I know that's a broad brush, but this really feeling that, right, that something great is about to happen here. So th that led us to the region, the beauty of it and, and the people there. Uh, but uh, the job itself, um, this colleague who came out and visited said, you know, there's a, um, had a school opening, you know, down the street and, you know, down the street in Texas terms is 50 miles. At least. And, Mm -hmm. Right. And I, I just, you know, I had always uh, been enamored uh, with with classical Christian education. And, um, you know, I, I looked at what Geneva was doing. And I guess this answers the question, why Geneva? And, um, you know, sometimes when you're a success or oftentimes when you're a success, it can go to your head. 
and, or, and you can have mission drift and, and you can kind of do something completely different because you're so worried about being popular that you just, you want to make something bigger just to make it bigger. And I saw when I read through the pages on the site that that just not, that was not the way that the place was built and is not what people cared about or seemed to care about from what I could tell uh, as, as an outsider. So that's what drew me that that success, but that success that doesn't lead you to be arrogant, but to be humble, right? To actually be servant-like in carrying out your mission as a school. And that, Amy, more than anything else is what um, I'm excited about. Um, I, I, you know, I, first of all, I don't want to do any harm to the great thing that's been created, but I just want to cheerlead it on. I want to cheerlead it uh, in, in Bernie itself, uh, in the broader San Antonio area. And I, I think, as I mentioned earlier, that, that there's just a great opportunity to take this thing that we've all been blessed with um, and, and share it with others. And that's what, I, that's what gets me going and gets me excited. Yeah. Well, that excites me as well to hear you talk about that. Um, all right, so David, floor is yours. I mean, this is just us talking at this point. Is there something that you, um, that I didn't ask that you would love for the Geneva community to know or for me to know? Um, no, I, I prob I probably when I'm, thinking of, when I'm thinking about that question, I'm, I'm, now I know I mentioned my, my band now, the herd, that wasn't part of what I was gonna say. So maybe we'll have to cut that out or edit it. But uh, Amy, no, I, I just, I, I mean, I, I can't wait uh, to, to be there. We can't wait to be there. We can't wait to meet everyone. Uh, we know it's a big school. Uh, we know that there are 700 students and hundreds of families. Um, but, um, you know, we're coming there um, uh, to really uh, join in, you know, what we hope will be a great journey, you know, for a long, long time. And uh, we just can't wait, wait, wait to do it. So that's all. That's all I have. Just uh, all for now. All, yes. That's all, all there is for now. So um, what I what I want to say, Geneva families, um, is that uh, this is just the beginning and um, just a little snippet into uh, the life of David Corbin and what um, where he's been and what he hopes to bring to the Geneva community. And um, we look forward to so many more opportunities in the future for all of you to get to engage with him and his family um, in person, maybe more of these Zoom conversations as he and I uh, meet weekly over the telephone. Maybe we'll live record some more of them um, as topics arise. But um, I wanna thank you, David, for uh, being willing to do this in the middle of your uh, in the middle of your work day. And um, I look forward to getting to uh, spend some more time talking to you about the great work that's happening at Geneva. And uh, we're excited about uh, the Lord's call on your life to this place. I know that it's been a really long process for our search committee and our board. And I know that full well, that this was, um, this was a thoughtful, prayerful process for them and for you and your family. And uh, so I'm incredibly thankful for that and really excited about what God has in store for Geneva with you at the helm. So thanks for your time. Um, I'm going to pray for us uh, out. I'm going to pray us out and then um, I'll let you go. I know you have a, another thing to do. So let's pray. Thanks, Amy. Thank sure. you. Lord, thank you for uh, the time that you've given us to uh, be together on this Zoom call. And I thank you for and the men and women who poured so many hours of uh, time and prayer and thought into the process of bringing a new head of school to Geneva. Lord, um, we are grateful that you've called the Corbin family to come and lead our school. And I pray, Father, that you would go before David and Katie and their children and just make the way plain and smooth as they uh, transition into the Bernie 
community and into Geneva specifically. Lord, I pray that you would help me know exactly what it is uh, that I should say or do to help equip him in the transition. Lord, we know ultimately that it is your good work that is happening on our campus and we are just stewards of it. Um, we are caretakers of it. And I thank you for the fact that you allow us to be a part of the ministry and mission and do um, have hands and feet in the work that you're doing in the lives of our students and our families. We trust you and um, we love you and know that our ability to love one another is only because you loved us first. We are grateful for that. Um, Lord, I thank you. And I ask all of these things in your mighty name. Amen. Amen.